Good morning, fellas. Oh, there you are. Good morning, man. How are you doing? Oh, one oh, day at a time. I have a, <laughs> a I have a, a American uh, Psycho two hangover. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, about halfway through American Psycho two last night, I thought maybe I should have watched that one first. Yeah, that's kind of what we were thinking. We, we actually thought that too. <laughs> Well, because we were like, well, you know, for the true aesthetic of the show, should we watch the second one? We're like, what? we already know what happens in the first one. But uh, when you watch them back to back, the uh, the pain is much more, you know, obvious. <laughs> so much more evident. Yeah. Oh, God. It's terrible. <laughs> I only took maybe a 10, 15 minute break in between them. Oh, God. Yeah, no, we went to go get something to eat and then come back. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, let's let's eat now, <laughs> then we can let that rest, and then you know, and then throw up what we ate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know why man. we torture ourselves with like these sequels, but we do. You do it for the people. Some of them are pretty terrible. You know, you you do it for the people. <laughs> yeah, you suffer yeah, you so suffer. others can find out if they. Want to, you know, somebody's got to jump first sometimes. And... Well, and also, we ask the question, like, our always our first question is, what's the best part of this movie? Which sometimes is the hardest question. <laughs> sometimes the answer is the end credits. No, see, we, we, we made sure we were like, man, we don't want to we don't want to say that something good in the movie. I, I tried to avoid saying the end credits. And I think, uh. Was it a uh, Deuce Bigelow? Was about, that was hard. <laughs> was about the one where I was like, I might say it. That might be it. But. You know, I've, I don't. I'm not too familiar with the the Bigelow. Uh, there's only two of them, right? They, oh, yes. They didn't yes. make a third. Oh, okay. Many. I've seen them both once, but uh, I can't remember what? if that was one of the Rob Schneider movies where there were goofy, creative things in the credits like they throw in every once in a while on some of those uh, former Saturday Night Live people. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, what, Hot Shots. Hot Shots is the first movie I think yeah. of that had weird things in the credits. Did you guys ever you know, do you know. Part Deux? I can't remember. Part Deux? Yeah. Hot Shots Part Deux? Part Deux? No, yeah. we haven't yet. No. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we were like, let's pace ourselves out with some of the ones that we were going to do. So mm-hmm. that's that's a good idea. You start close out too much. Yeah, that that why that's why you haven't we haven't done weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, because we didn't want to like we uh, we didn't want to do them all up front. We're finally going to do Teen Wolf two during October. We're doing like an all werewolf marathon. Nice. That's a good idea. Yeah, save save the bigger ones for anniversaries and milestones yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But, but before for we do- go any further, I want to welcome... Is it Bradley or Brad? Do you go by Bradley when you're in trouble? or uh, uh, Gus. Okay. <laughs> That's always the joke. Like, I, No, uh, Brad's fine. You can call me Brad. Okay. I just... My, my friends call me Paul Allen. Oh. <laughs> hey, Paul! We're going to go to only if I'll call you Paul if we go to Dorsey and Jeremy, the dynamic do so of uh, the deuce podcast like that. that. I I would have made a Photoshop of you guys, but you never know who wants to be Batman. Oh, not me. I'll 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 take him. (laughs) (laughs) 
You'll step, me. On, you'll step on that or fall on that sword. Yeah. We wanted to say thank you for being such a supporter of us from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, it's so like, rad. And you guys are so good together. It's, uh, I'm happy. It's easy. It's easy to support stuff you like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why we married each other. You know, because <laughs> we just like, whatever. Yeah. It makes it a whole lot easier to marry people you like. I found out. <laughs> <laughs> and and we've always been kind of like that ever since we first met. We're just kind of very, you know. And you edit so much on, like, I love how you edit on your show. Oh, thanks. Like you edit. Like Jeremy's really good at that, but you're you're like the master at that. Um, and you're always so good at editing pop culture stuff. And so this might be a really big edited <laughs> podcast because Jeremy and I like to throw out pop culture stuff. Hey, as long as you guys can wait uh, for me to do the edit, I am happy to throw in all the things that pop into my mind yeah. and everything you Whatever guys happens, put in my mind. That's why we thought we'd just record this one and we could hold on to it um, to whenever you release yours because we would want to release it on the same week as you. Do you guys hear a little echo? Do you guys hear a little echo of me? No. Of you? No. Do you hear uh, echo with us? No, I don't, I don't hear no, an I echo don't. of you guys. Are you still talking? I don't hear anything now. No, oh, I'm no, just, we weren't talking <laughs> we at all. Talking. We no. Were, we were God, no. I, I'm used to... When uh when Court does like setting his levels <laughs> and mm. everything, mm. he is very like, Okay, now don't talk. Now you talk. Now you talk. <laughs> and he like he's very professional with it. <laughs> so uh yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's setting levels. I'll be glad. Court is so professional and so good at that stuff. Yeah. I just press yeah. record. Yeah, going over to his place is just like a whole. It's a studio. I yeah, mean, it's just crazy. Makes you feel super important. Yeah, we have a laptop like, and two headphones. He's got. I mean, he has like uh, the arms and like you know, so you swing them around with the microphone on them. And we've talked about one our own place to actually start building a better studio. Yeah, basically, Jeremy was like, "Do you want to do a podcast?" With or no, was I was like, "Wouldn't it be great if we did a podcast where it was all just sequels?" And then I bought headphones. And then you bought headphones. And I was like, I guess we have to do this? Yeah, you, you'll gradually, I think, get more stuff. Today we're recording uh, here, and then we have to run some errands. And then he's Bradley's recording with one of his friends, his friend Tony, who is on our uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Oh, They're recording okay. a bunch of things for us today. Cool. It's yeah. Every episode is going to be different. It's just going to be like we're we're just every episode's a letter of the alphabet, and so we just base it on a letter of the alphabet and do weird and crazy things. Yeah. We're going to start it off with A. We're not even going to go in order of the alphabet. That's how stupid we are. We're just going to be random. Do it Scrabble style. Do it Scrabble style. Yeah. (laughs) A is for advice. And so we are just going to read um, old Ann Landers um, columns from the 90s and give our own advice. Because that's what we're going to do. And E is going to be for elevator. And the whole podcast is just going to be Tony and I in an elevator. Like, I'm going to be in an elevator here in Omaha. He's going to be in an elevator in Chicago. And then Jeremy's just going to be here recording us. Yeah. And we're just going to do the whole podcast in an elevator. That's it. That's the whole thing. And if we frustrate people, we frustrate people. If we make people laugh, we make people laugh. And there will be a new letter the next the next week or the next month or however often. Yeah, uh, you it'd, often, it'd be the new like uh, the next week. It'd be a new letter, you know. 
Yeah, and they won't be as long as like our normal no, like movie it's not be things. Like, I think they're aiming just to do like half hour episodes or I don't think you can do a xylophone yeah. episode for an hour and a half and get away with it. Probably not. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. I just wanted to take the podcast and just kind of like, you know, turn it on its head a little bit and just kind of breed something else into it. Just a really you can flexible get medium. Guys, right. You can get two guys talking about movies all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with it. No. Or you can get three guys, which is us yeah. right now. But, you know, there's <laughs> right so many of right now. That wasn't in the movie, though. <laughs> that was right here, right, right now. Right here, right, right now? Here. Was what, it? You mean in this movie? American? No, that was more 90s. That, that was okay, like that is true. Um, yeah. That's so weird. Every, every once in a while, what I say echoes. So if I sound distracted, I'm... Not at all. Okay, cool. Yeah, we haven't heard anything with it here. No. Yeah. Wait, I, are you talking? Yeah, nothing's, nothing's echoed for about a minute. Uh, a couple of my laughs and stuff when you were uh, talking about your cool show, The Alphabet. Uh, what's that called again? ABC D bags. ABC D bags. Yeah, a yeah. couple of my responses during that were echoing, but now since I've since I said it, maybe every once in a while I'll just have to evoke the name of the Phantom Echo and it'll go away. Wait, it's your co-host, the Phantom Echo. <laughs> <laughs> He my is my is... Dr. Gonzo to my Hunter Thompson. <laughs> but the good thing is, is I get cool guests like you guys to come on and it makes my show seem more interesting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad. I think it was your idea. I think you reached out first. It, it, it was Jeremy's idea. Okay. To go. Let's do it. Because we wanted to do a crossover with Court. To begin with, yeah, you know, for for cinema psyops. But then he's like, I already did that. I thought, what was well, it? We we did one, um, and we're still planning on doing one with them next month around Halloween time. Yeah. But uh, as we were going through, and we got to Robin Dunn, and we were like, Oh, American Psycho <laughs> too. And that's when we went, Oh my gosh, wait, American Psycho, and wanted to do that. So yeah, especially um, with your best. Yeah, I mean, this is a kind of a like a perfect one for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was so, I hadn't even thought of it, you know. I've probably seen like I, I think I said last night, I've seen American Psycho two twice. And That's last crazy. night was the second time. And uh but I've seen the American Psycho oh, yeah. easily a hundred times. Uh it's not necessarily one of my favorite movies, but it was one of the movies back um after one of my tours. Uh, my guitar player and I were living at our practice space for a while because we booked the tour to start right at the end of our lease. And we didn't think about setting up an apartment for when we got <laughs> home. When we got... <laughs> so we were living in the practice space for a while and we had about seven DVDs and this was one of them. <laughs> yeah you know this is one of those i haven't watched it for a while either yeah that's the thing because it was and and i was one of those i mean it fits right in with the whole uh, you're not recording right now are you who me yeah oh i started the phone i started recording as soon as 
Oh God! As soon as the I'm call gonna... starts, I'll I'll cut some stuff off. I'll save your talking oh, about the show. Oh. I just no, didn't know what you were doing. Oh, like or how? Oh, I figured he was because oh, really? he said we're here with. Like, oh, earlier. okay. I was like, oh, we're recording. <laughs> is this all in my mind, or is it yes. real, or is it like, are we making it up? What's going on? Oh, I can't rely oh, on so... you right now. <laughs> Okay. I'm an unreliable. Narrator. I'm an unreliable narrator. <laughs> I'm getting really meta right now. <laughs> well, so this is one of those movies where I kind of was like everybody else. I didn't see it in theaters or anything like that, but I remember. I think I watched it on on demand back in the day, uh, and was like that was different than I thought it would be, and uh, you know enjoyed it. And I think. I watch it here and there, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's on in the background or whatever, but I never turn it off, I don't think. But, yeah, I think it was the first day in a while that I really sat down and focused on it. Uh, and just, you know, I think perspective with time has is, is caused me to look at it a little bit differently than before. I think it's a movie that crosses genre. Like, it, it doesn't really fit in one genre. Like you said, is it a horror movie? It is a horror movie, but not necessarily is it a psychological movie? Yes. Is it not? Yes. Is it a movie about yuppie culture? Yes. Is it a movie about conformity? Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, but age and time has given me a different perspective on oh, it. Oh, very much so. My, well, held just through my own career and everything, too. You know, I look at it differently and go, uh, yeah, I get it. You know, well, you I work did. in the financial I do. Yeah. industry. And do all the people look the same that work with you? Uh, <laughs> yes. And they all like scream. <laughs> there are, uh, I mean, so apparently, you know, even as many as, you know, just a little over a decade ago, there were still people who were trying to act like those guys were. A lot of that's starting to phase out, but you're getting a new wave of people who are starting over again. That Gordon Gecko. Yeah, the, the Gordon Geckos and the, uh, the Jordan Belfours and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. You'd be ferocious! You be relentless. Yeah. You be telephone fucking terrorist. Yeah. Now let's knock this motherfucker out of the park. Yeah. yeah. The Patrick Batmans. The I mean, pa- and the Pat Bats. <laughs> I am the American Psycho. <laughs> um, but this movie is, it plays with your perception. Like Jeremy's like at the end of the movie. Is he really yeah. crazy? Is he doing this? Is he not doing this? And it's not necessarily that answer isn't necessarily important. I think anyway, we, we tried we tried to seriously work through it and figure out, you know, what what's the answer to it? And we, we went through it and it seems like there's evidence to support and to refute any way. Yeah, yeah. Any way that you to do it whether it did happen didn't happen partially happened anything i mean there's they it purposely you know you're you're not supposed to be able to draw the conclusion i don't think and i, I think that's one i i think we talked about this off mic i can't remember which of you guys and i'm sorry for that one but uh one of you doesn't like the book or has never read the book oh no i w- i w- actually started reading the book okay. so i'm like i'm not too far into it but i'm kind of at the beginning of it Okay. Yeah, and I, uh, he's not a Brett Easton Ellis fan. No, I think I'm on, and I'm kind of he's I'm kind of a windbag anyway. Zero. Yeah. yeah, he's he had a podcast. I don't know if any of 
if either of you ever listen to that. And that's where I sort of got a lot of my I sort of, of him. Got a lot of, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of the man. No, but I liked American. So there was, of course, you've probably gotten to it. Cause I think in one of the first chapters when he's on in the car and there's a, like a page and a half about clothes. Oh, it's, it's a page and a half of clothes and he's just describing things. And it almost becomes just overbearing. I mean, even in the when he describes his uh, his uh, place where he lives, his apartment. I mean, it's just three pages of that. I mean, it's important to do it like that. It, it shows, you know, the yuppie culture or or what what he, what the character thinks is more important than what it should be. Yeah. Well, even in the movie, everything has everything has this label and, and it's like. You can't say hand me the watch. You have to go into you know all the the specific nitty gritties because it's all about the stuff. It's all about the yeah. It's all about the what y'all wanna do? Baby. Wanna be ballers, shot callers, brawlers? We'll be dipping in the bins with the spoilers. Wanna loaf in the Wanna bumble with the bee, huh? You know possessions as a show of how much power you have by how much money you have. And so, and part of that, when he says, I just want to fit in, you know, he's really, part of that is to, he wants to fit in by showing he has all the stuff and he is rich and he's struggling to, you know, outdo the others. I mean, it's almost like the snake eating its own tail. But if he is, then why is he conforming to society? Because then he, because if he's killing, he's like, I'm really thirsty for blood i need to do this he is constantly telling people i want to do this to people and they just just ignore him like <laughs> whatever you're you know, dorky <laughs> such a kid but bateman yeah <laughs> such a dork now if you'd said bryce I thought the dork- dermot go ahead <laughs> justine justine bateman's the real dork <laughs> yes that's the answer um but I guess, you know, and part of this is, I guess part of what um, I think drives a lot of this, and actually a lot of the yuppie culture, a lot of, um, I think, stuff that still prevails today. I think it applies to, um, you know, why you get these, you have individuals who are essentially the working poor who vote against their own self-interests, you know, and they say, well, put behind them because... These other people like to give handouts. Well, you know, you could benefit from that. But I think part of that goes back to it's a simple idea um, that has been drilled into us through our culture is that um, being poor is seen as being immoral, uh, lazy, uh, stupid, like dumb, having this like moral failing Whereas when you're rich, you're seen as these people. I got to be rich because I'm smart um, and because I'm moral and I'm good and whatever. I'm I'm in charge. So, you of course, you give me money because I'm this pillar of whatever. <laughs> and people who are you know poor don't see themselves as uh, they don't see themselves as poor because that would mean that they were somehow immoral or somehow had some sort of major failing with themselves yeah and so a lot of times then on the flip side you have these people who are rich who see themselves as hey 
long as I'm staying rich, I'm doing something right. And, right. you know, obviously and I have no repercussions in the, for in the movie, he name drops Trump. Yeah. And in the book, I think he names he, he name drops him like six times. Yeah. And yeah. obviously this yeah. is great for the political aspirations of becoming POTUS. Yeah. But uh, it, it just becomes so relevant because of it's almost like Trump is is like the yuppie God. Yes. And that's what you look up to. Yeah. And, and, and it's so it's so weird to like revisit this and then revisit the book as well. Yeah. Or just or for me to visit the book and then go, wow, you're name dropping Trump. Yeah. But you're not dro- dropping Trump as like a leader because he's not. Right. You're name dropping him as this counterculture, which he is. Yeah. yeah the, you know, which, the rich New oh, York guy. Fantastic. Now. The first order of business is to blame everything on the guy before me. Right. Yeah. Well, and and I think throughout the the story too, you know, you see Bateman as um, the more he has stuff and the richer he has and everything, he's more and more disconnected from people and almost like transcending from this view of being like uh, awesome, awesome to the max. Like a person, he even says a couple times, you know, there's nothing there. I don't have this human emotion. I don't have this and this. Right. He wants to fit in, but he doesn't have anything once he does fit. But he's almost like, I think in his head somewhere, he's almost like transcending into this like godlike state where he's above it all and he's disconnected. And then, you know, he can kill and he can take life and he can give life. And that's his to do because he's a god. Let's cut to the chase. There are two kinds of people, sheep and sharks. Anyone who's a sheep is fired. Who's a sheep? And it almost, and which is why then when you get people who are, you know, when you have the, the dick measuring contest with the cards. Yeah, I call it the dick measuring contest. In a way it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they're all, you know, these white cards with black lettering. Oh, they all look the same. Yeah. Every, every, everything looks the same. The cards look the same, even though they're trying to distinguish each other differently. All his friends look the same, yeah. except my haircut looks better than his haircut. But they all look the same. same. They all, yeah, from the same barber. They keep calling each other the wrong names because they can't even get themselves yeah. correct. So which brings me to the point I made to you is because uh, you're like, did he we're, we're like, did he kill these people? Did he kill Paul Allen? And I'm like, maybe he didn't kill Paul Allen, but he killed someone else. That so he thought that Paul Allen was Paul Allen, mm-hmm. so he killed him. But maybe he killed Joe Schmo or whatever, Bob Smith. Yeah, that's that's very reasonable for that. And also with the, uh, I don't even know if we've done this yet, but we are talking about Mary Heron's. 2000 film adaptation of Brett Easton Ellis' 1991 novel, both called American Psycho. Right. If you uh, didn't know that, I don't know how you're listening to it because the name of the movie is in the title of the show. But just in case. <laughs> in case. Um, and that's another thing with the lawyer at the end. He could have had lunch with someone that wasn't Paul Allen. Correct. So it's it's really hard, especially when dealing with the unreliable narrator that is Patrick Bateman, because yeah. you don't know how much how much do you want to believe, how much is fantasy. Yeah. Like you said, oh, I killed this guy. I'm killing Paul Allen. He could have been, you know, schizophrenic. 
I killed a demon. I killed Paul Allen. Uh, <laughs> See, I, uh, I also, which is a great I thought, scene. I thought he killed Paul Allen, but not everybody else. And, uh, I mean, the yeah, the attorney says, well, I, I had lunch with him. But, you know, you get those things where, uh, and, you know, we see it in movies and wherever else. And we see it in real life, too. But where the attorney totally lies on behalf of the client. Somehow, see, that's part of their job is to get this heat off them at any cost. Right. And so, you know, is that because the very then at that moment, he's very serious. He says, this is I had lunch with him. That's the last we're going to talk about it. Well, that's what makes both the movie and the book so good. It plays with perception. You can believe that he didn't kill anyone or you can believe that he did kill everyone. But it's not necessarily what the story is. Right. The story is about conformity and how it traps you, I think, in, in a way of like, well, if everyone's the same, how are we going to get forward? Like Bateman wants to go forward. He wants to be the best. But how can we be the best if everyone around me is the same and everyone's the best? And I think that's why people don't believe him when he says, I want to kill people. Because people are like, you're a reflection of me. That means I'm going to kill people. That's not. <laughs> I can't handle that. Yeah. Well, and I guess are we even sure that, you know, all the stuff he's representing is who he is? Because somebody, his attorney, like, misidentifies him. And basically says something right. about Bateman being spineless. Bateman killing Alan and the escort girls. That's fabulous. That's rich. What exactly do you mean? The message you left. By the way, Davis, how's Cynthia? You're still seeing her, right? Wait, Harold. What do you mean? Oh, excuse me. Nothing. It's good to see you. Is that Edward Towers? Come on, wait. Uh... Davis. I'm not one to badmouth anyone. Your joke was amusing. But come on, man. You had one fatal flaw. Bateman is such a dork. Such a boring, spineless lightweight. Now, if you said Bryce or McDermott. Otherwise, it was amusing. Now, if you'll excuse me, I really must be going. <laughs> Wait. Um, stop. Yeah, he thinks he's someone else. I mean, he, the attorney himself, thinks that Bateman is, is someone else. And says, not that, that, I want to say Sean Bateman, but that's the character in Rules of Direction. Yeah, his brother. His brother. Um, but Paul Bateman. Yeah. Um, Patrick. Patrick. God, why am I, oh, Paul's, Paul Allen. Paul Allen. <laughs> see, even oh God, Patrick, names are the oh same. God, is it, Paul, is it Mr. Same. Smith? But they all look the same. Yeah. Except Justin Thoreau. And, and who he does he play? Never. Uh, he plays his best friend in the movie. I can't think of his name right oh, now. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the only one he, he really... Has kind of like I, I trust this guy. Yeah, this is the guy that you know he he infatuates about in a way that's not sexual. And but, in, in the end, he's the only one too who seems to be I don't know trying to be improving himself. Kind of, in a way, yeah. I think the only person who really kind of gets this that we kind of see uh, Bateman in a way that we don't see with any other character is his secretary because she's not part of that elite. She is serving him all the time mm -hmm. and she's the one that finds the all the drawings. And, and then even, we have that. Go and then you have the whole scene, though, where I mean, it's the. You know, woman as objects. She's just another possession of his. Right. Because he says, don't wear that outfit. 
I want you wearing skirts and this, something to show off your legs. Blah, blah, blah. He dictates down to like what she's allowed to wear. Mm-hmm. And every time she comes in, he not like compliments her on it, but he like critiques it and tells her whether it's acceptable or not. It's always just like a quick thing. He goes, you're wearing this. Very good. Whatever. Like, and it's very brief, but it's just, she's an extension of him as far as, you know, his outward appearance. Yeah. Yeah. She's the first line of defense between him and. No, I'm sorry. I should have made an appointment. Was that anything important? All that? Just mulling over business problems, examining opportunities, exchanging rumors, spreading gossip. (laughs) Hi, I'm Donald Kimball. Hi, Pat Bateman. Nice to meet you. Sorry to barge in on you like this. I know how busy you guys can get. So, what's the uh, topic of discussion? I've been hired by Meredith Powell to investigate the disappearance of Paul Allen. I see, yeah. Paul's disappearance, yeah. So it's nothing that official. I just have some basic questions about Paul Allen. About One of my favorite Willem Dafoe roles. I think he just did such a good job as the, as the detective in here. And I don't know if you guys know that you probably do because you guys are so good with your research and stuff. And if you don't, that doesn't mean you're, I'm knocking your research. Uh, but did you know that for the uh, original interview scene I'm poor. I'm poor and dumb so that's why I don't know what you're going to say <laughs> go ahead uh, uh, Heron is that how I think that's how you pronounce her last name the director Mary I Mary. Think so yeah uh, she, had uh, she had him shoot three she do different more? versions I, hmm. this is great why doesn't she do more I think this is wonderful I don't know I think what is she she did uh, uh, what the notorious Betty Page movie, yeah, uh, something about Andy Warhol. I don't know. I mean, she you know. hasn't done anything that I know of. Mm-hmm. I guess she did a lot of TV, a lot of TV uh, episodes yeah, and sense. stuff. But yeah, but she was really good, and she really went to bat for the movie when uh, she really did. Uh, people went after it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear hear my kid laughing real loud. Yeah, no, it's fine. Everyone's fucking our cat. You must be I've watching like... American Psycho too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been threateningly pointing at my cat like she understands what I'm saying. <laughs> like, don't you make a peep? <laughs> don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I even think that like his his telling of how he murders these people, like Bateman's descriptions, because. You know, technically it's Bateman because he's a narrator, untrusted narrator. His telling of it, I think, isn't necessarily what is really going on if we assume that he's killing these people. I don't think he's as suave as he is, even when he's killing these people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I'm sure he's a lot more sloppy. Oh, it's got to be more sloppy. The three way sex scene has to be sloppy. You know, um, well, and, and, you know, all we ever see him do is like listen to his Walkman. I mean, even in the conversations, he participates, but he's not like, you know, it doesn't seem like he's the leader of the pack with a lot of that. It's not the way he represents himself. I just envision maybe he's like, this is his perception. But in reality, he's just that guy 
who's the weird guy who sits on the peripheral and like stares and imagines himself as part of the <laughs> when conversation. When you said that, I was like the horror, like Walter Mitty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Secret life of Patrick Bateman. <laughs> Could have been an alternate been an title. Alternate. Yeah, there you go. But that makes sense with, you know, going through. And that's one of the things that Ellis said was that he didn't think that the book should have been adapted into a movie because you can be vague and you can be confusing mm-hmm. and uh, with the book. And that's just how it is. But with the movie, <laughs> there's always a visual representation leading right. you, you vis- to think away. Yeah. And so I, I think Heron tried a little bit with some of the stuff, like with the, the detective Kimball interview, she had him shoot the, the interview with Patrick Bateman, one version where he knew that Patrick killed him, one Uh where he didn't know and one where he wasn't sure. And she spliced them all together into one. That makes sense because that makes sometimes sense to me. wow, that really makes sense because sometimes it seemed like he was alluding to something, and then sometimes he was just asking a question, and sometimes that, like, that makes it better. See, yeah, God, there's so many things that you pick up like every time you watch this movie, you pick up something new, yeah. and that's why I like yeah. this movie. And Willem Dafoe's role in this is so simple, so effective. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's that thing that kind of I think it almost like grounds him. Like he's got this. Odd complex piece going on where he can, he just needs to take lives. That's just to keep going. And whenever uh, the detective talks, he's just very like on edge and awkward. And uh, like when he was, <laughs> there's the one where he's like, uh, "Yes, I have to go. Uh, I have a lunch." I think he said he was at the Four Seasons with uh, Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, well, he's got a drug women with Cliff Huxtable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fitting it's a more fitting lunch date now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just going to wear sweaters and, and eat jello pudding pops. <laughs> yeah. But no, he says that. And then he goes, wait, I thought the Four Seasons is uptown. And he goes, no, there's one here now. And he goes, really? There is? He's like, I'll have to try that. And he's like, yep. But, uh, very exclusive or like whatever. Right. Like he's basically fumbling around with. He doesn't have this like, you know, beautiful formed dialogue that he's putting out there. Like the scene with uh, Paul Allen, I mean, clearly he's rehearsed that or rehearsed in his mind at least a few times. Like the whole oh, thing the about Huey Lewis, Lewis in the news, yeah. the, the one that everybody's that's so iconic for everybody. So, I mean, that is like it's flawless down to responses and everything else. Like it feels like you've rehearsed it or imagined it differently. When I first met you, I told you, I, I want to tell you something. I am a closet Huey Lewis. News fan. And you were like, yeah, so and I was like, I want you to know that I want to be straight for you. Uh, also, I'm a homosexual. Yeah. You like Huey Lewis. <laughs> I don't think either need to be hidden from anyone. Uh, no, correct. No, be out there. I love sports. Sports is a great album. I want a new drug. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Hip to be square. No, that's on four. I, I uh, sort of mix them together because generally, oh, you know. You're supposed to, he gave you. That's what's great about, about it. He's giving you music that is very much like sounds the same. I mean, that Phil Collins song sounds like Huey Lewis' new song. He talks about sports, which sounds like 
the other album for. I mean, everything's the same. That's why when we were talking, I was like, is he doing it? Is he not killing? And you're like, but he goes back to the apartment and it's all cleaned up. So yeah. it's got to be fake, right? And I'm like, what if he just went to the wrong apartment? Because everything looks the same. It's all white walls. He just went to a different apartment and he just didn't know. Yeah. Could be. Or and maybe the landlady or the owner of the building was going to just deal with it so the property value didn't go down. Right. Yeah. It could be that too. We don't know. Well, and because she kind of is very vague too. Yeah. And, and the fact that there was like. But the fact that there was like dozens of bodies and like a head and stuff, like, I don't know. I I just feel like that was too much. But to me, then why not? Then why have the unreliable character, the unreliable narrator? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why have all that? And then just kind of have it be not real. It just kind of defeats the purpose of it for, for me. And it's not necessarily did he do it or did he not? The point of it is that. Even if he didn't do it, he's still crazy. He's still mental, and he needs help. And I think the real crime of it all is that no one he, – he even he, – he calls out for help all the time, and even towards the end, he does. And the real crime is that none of his friends want to help him. And at the, at the end, which is a great scene at the, at the diner or where, wherever they're at, there's actually a sign at the back that says – there is no exit. Yeah, right next is, to his which head. Which is great. Uh, and then he's like, you know, what he, whatever he says about the uh, that this is the narrator or whatever it is my my guiltiness is unimportant or whatever he yeah. says. My confession has meant nothing. The real the fact that conformity is not allowing people to come out as having mental issues, which is, which was big back in the eighties. Like you didn't, you didn't go to, you know, the whole pills and going to, to talk about your feelings really became popular more in the nineties and not necessarily the eighties. So in terms, this is kind of a movie that base or in a book that basically is about mental breakdown that, is almost he he's stuck in his own hell in a way yeah. you know what i mean and no one will help him yeah very very astute uh notice uh, i like i'm latching onto your trapped in his own hell bit and the thing you were saying about this is not an exit there are some people that think that that end scene is also a bit of an homage to uh some old play or old movie where people are trapped in a room together and it turns out to be hell. I can't, I can't remember. But I know what you're talking about. Uh, well, it's but it's a very it's a very common theme through things, even in mythology, uh, like in Tartarus in, in Greek mythology, right. uh, Tantalus is it's where we throw tantalize. He was, he was, well, he was trapped in like in shoulder deep, uh, in water and he had, uh, like grapes above his head and when he'd go to eat, they'd pull away when he'd go to drink, it would just kind of, you know, go away. So he could never, yeah, very much never so. satiate his, his hunger or his thirst. 
and he was just kind of living this eternal hunger and whatever. And you get that through all sorts of things. There's no way out of it. Well, you get Roll, this, this is movie. rolling the boulder up a hill, yeah. and when he gets up to the top, it goes down the other side, and he's got to keep going back and forth. He has a hunger inside his mental, yeah, yeah. That, that his mental illness. That it's like I must kill or I must think about this uh, of, of these heinous crimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's totally awesome. Yeah. That's huh? from the Deuce Boys, Darren. Yeah. That's right. Straight from the Deuce. <laughs> but yeah, his whole reg- morning regiment is all about his skin, the very outer layer of his body, and is neglecting the inside, and the inside is rotting. And I think his dad, I think they say in the movie, but they definitely say in the book that his dad is high up in the company. Yes. So he's probably never had... Uh, we talked about name dropping uh, Donald Trump a couple times. You know, maybe he got a small loan of a million dollars. That's exactly yeah. what I said. <laughs> like he's Donnie Jr. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb. I'm smart and I want respect. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have to do shit. No. And he's probably, I mean, Patrick Bateman in the 80s. A young Patrick Bateman would be, he'd probably be in the cabinet. Maybe it's the story of, uh, I mean, there's about 10 Goldman Sachs people in the Trump administration right right now. He could be Steve Mnuchin or something like that. (laughs) He does have the the pissy blonde wife. Oh, my God. His wife is Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) God. Um, there's a lot of Academy Award winners in this movie. Yeah. Future Academy Award winners. Well, there's a lot of a lot of actors too. Back in the day, I was like, "Who the hell are these people?" And now I'm like, "Oh my God, it's this person! It's right. this person!" Yeah. Well, I mean, what Jared Leto, like you said, Jared. Justin Theroux as Bryce. Yes, Bryce is his name. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just thinking Kevin, <laughs> but that's from uh, The Leftovers. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was Chloe Sevigny back in the day. Neither did she. <laughs> or uh, the the first the homeless guy he stabs is oh that's the guy from House of Cards. He's that in House of the Cards. Place. Yeah, or in... the children's show Square One. I don't know if you had Square One in Ohio. If that's where you grew up, did you grow up in Ohio? I, I did. Yeah. Um. I don't think I remember Square One. We got most of our morning children's stuff. Like we got the Chicago stuff. So we okay. had we had Bozo the Clown and. Uh, WGN, yeah, Chicago, yeah, yeah. that too, yeah. The uh, Bozo the Clown, where they play the the grand prize game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Alrighty, ninety day, pals. You know what time it is now? It's time for the grand prize game. <laughs> wow, what a crazy group down here at Philly Fifty Seven today. Now, pals, let's find out who the lucky pals are that are going to play the grand prize game this morning. What's your name, pal? Hi, Pat Bateman. Nice to meet you. Yep. And it's like, oh, you're always going to hit that first bucket. It's just a drop. Come on. <laughs> then, like if someone drops it and it hits the side, I was like, whatever. Your life <laughs> falls apart at the end. And then you have to leave for <laughs> school. Turn to for school. Yeah, exactly. You're like. Like trying to hurry and eat your cereal because you spent most of your time watching Bozo. I actually wrote that um, inside this because um, they're constantly looking at book like the the dinner guides to see where the best place is to get 
you know, a reservation, which I'm like, what, what Patrick Bateman would be like with Yelp. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if there is a Patrick Bateman Yelp out there. Oh, there should be. That would be amazing. Maybe on Tumblr or. Oh, that would be amazing. I got to start that. (laughs) Yeah. Get the Twitter handle. Yeah. (laughs) That's my punk attitude is just doing stupid shit like that. (laughs) That's fun. It's a good way to entertain yourself and others, man. (laughs) Uh, But it's like, but you also, um, he's, he's a guy that does bad things in this movie. But yet you totally, not only are you kind of rooting for him in a way, yeah. you kind of have the sympathy for him in, in a way that you don't want to. That's the real horror, I think, of it, of the whole thing, is that you have sympathy towards this yuppie guy mm. that you should not have. Yeah. And so Ellis does a good job doing that, I think. Yeah. I guess, and I look at it. And I think it's even more relevant. Like, I think there was this period in time where we looked back at people like that and we said, wow, that's ridiculous. These people who are, you know, like those, you know, we were at this point where people were wearing piano key neckties and doing coke and whatever else. And, you know, we kind of felt like. We were past some of no, we just did that the other day. Remember? <laughs> we I snorted it, it off the key bar. What? No, okay. <laughs> just, I was going to say, just for the sake of everything, we were not doing cocaine. Uh, but, but were uh, you wearing a piano key necktie? Uh, well, yes. Uh, hell yeah, we were. Correct, That's that how was. you defeat Shredder. <laughs> with the key. <laughs> we can win the key oh, Yes. That, that is right. Um... You know, it's like I look at we're watching this movie and I'm I'm looking at things that are in the news now, like movies that are coming out, things that are actually happening. I mean, you know, you talk about like the, the whole was the 2006 market. Well, like when this movie came out, well, when the book came out, it was 1991. Yeah. George George Bush Sr. was president. Mm-hmm. Chief of staff was Dick Cheney. Yeah. When this movie came out. George Jr. was in office. Yeah. And vice president was Dick Cheney. Yeah. So not a lot has changed since when the book came out and the movie came out. Except that now Patrick Bateman is our president. (laughs) (laughs) The the, uh, but no, I I look at it and I'm like, oh God. Also like Jeffrey Dahmer was was big mm -hmm. back in ninety one when when the book came out. I mean that's right. I look at like your Martin Shkreli's of the world. Right. That's true. You know, your uh, Madoff's, your all that kind of stuff. And I've I've seen people where I'm just like, oh, oh my God, please tell me you have a Patrick Bateman Halloween costume on or that you're like, doing a bit. Right. Because it's frightening me that, that this is now again becoming real life. I don't even think so. I think it's almost like this counterculture of we, we don't like that. We're jealous of that. These people that are high up, so when they when they actually do something bad, we're like, ha, look at you. And we kind of are, are quick to point it out and quick to go, look at you fall, Icarus. Ha, ha. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like that. Like, I feel like this movie in turn was kind of like the clockwork orange of its time. And that now we kind of have to 
go like if we did a movie like this American Psycho kind of in a way now it would almost have to be about the hipster movement in a way and how that that has kind of taken over because that's more how it became conformity of now do you know what i mean yeah but to i, I kind think of, that, i think that you have this um i think status now think about like people post on facebook Look at this new thing I got. Look at this. Yeah, that's that. true. They, yeah, that's true. There's, there's much more visible. I don't have to, uh, you know, break out my my white business card or take over to my place to explain all the stuff I have. I can take a picture in front of it and post it, and the whole world can see it. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, there's up the, with the Kardashians. Exactly, and, and that's it. There's just, there's a different media aspect to it now, but. You know, for you're talking about the conformity through nonconformity, like hipster kind of thing. But I'm I'm also saying there is the the culture of like, which it never really left, but I think it's gotten more. I don't think it left. I but. think there's more visibility on it now, both within that community and outside. About hey, look, uh, you know, I'm an exec who's done nothing. Yet I'm, you know, reaping all these benefits. Or you know, we we look at Martin Shkreli and we villainize him. And we say, okay, you know, hey, he's – and he is. He's done terrible things. But it's delusional to think he's the only one that's out there like right. that. I've seen those people firsthand, and I can tell you they very much exist. And oh, they yeah. very much – like they – I don't know if it's almost like – sometimes sometimes I feel like these movies turn these characters into folk heroes. Like, you know, yeah, Patrick Bateman's murdering people, but like, look at all the swag he's got and all the swagger he's got. And like, you look at Jordan Belfort, Wolf Wall Street. You look at uh, uh, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. You look at all these things where it's like these people who, even though they're cautionary tales, I think you get people who are like, yeah, that's the lifestyle, bro. And then they, I've seen them. I've seen the suits and haircuts walking around. So. Yeah. No, but don't you also think that that we have kind of a a group over here and b group over here and they are kind of conforming to a and b's conforming with b and then they're coming together as a center and they are just exploding at each other yeah and they're just saying we are better than you no we are better than you we're right we're right and then that just leaves kind of this country that no one's in the center anymore yeah do you know what i mean so I, I do believe that you have this not or you have this conformity hipster and this conformity yuppie still and, and, and who's propelled by the king of yuppies, our POTUS, which uh, and uh, <laughs> kind of come, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's OK. It's okay. And they kind of come together and clash. I mean, they, they, you know, they're they're well, look at class both, wars. Look and, at your extreme left and right candidates right. during the last. Right. I mean, you got. Bernie on one side. You but have, if you take that out and just do class instead, I mean, which is what we talked about before. But, but look at that. Bernie on one side, Donald Trump on the right. other. They were both extreme. As much as people were like, yeah, you know, we liked Bernie. And personally, uh, and I'm not afraid to say it, I did like Bernie Sanders. Um, what? I did like Bernie Sanders. I didn't know if you heard me. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess you were okay with me liking Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, know, Bernie, I mean, is Bernie the Huey Lewis in the news of the 2016 <laughs> election. Bernie was the Phil Collins of the. 
Bernie was never in the movie Shortcuts, but keep going. <laughs> um, the uh, but they were extreme cases on either side, or extreme, you know, examples. And yeah, we're like, holy shit, with the the, the you know, right, the yuppie king thing for Donald Trump's side, but. Isn't Bernie just the king of the hippies yeah. on the other side? I think it's, and again, it's a counterculture, but it's the, I think, you know, we've talked about this, the loudest, the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil and and that's what's going to get the most attention. Uh-huh. The either side, we have this culture where people are, you know, you got the yuppies, you have, um, on the other side, you have your, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, bleeding heart liberal, you know, aspect on the other side. Um, you know, and we see those examples because they're the loudest right? and they're the ones who post all the time and they're the ones who, you know, are making their voices heard. So it seems like there's this huge divide. And I think a lot of the country falls somewhere in between on the spectrum, but you know, they don't get a voice because you're saying nobody's violently moderate about anything. To me, someone should do a movie that, is is like that kind of like or write a book like that who is not ryan murphy and is not part of the american horror story franchise <laughs> it does kind of that you know i think that conflict. i think you're talking about kevin costner's swing vote oh that's true god what yeah you're right <laughs> oh yeah there you kevin go Co- this year's american psycho you got me thinking now i never really want to watch swing vote <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to? No, I never did. It's no the postman. <laughs> oh, but what is? <laughs> what is the postman? I actually, it's a I like that guilty movie. pleasure you, you, my but I like that movie. Yeah, I watched it one night. It was like on TNT or something, and I watched it and went, "Oh my gosh, I actually enjoy this film." And so, yeah, I. Convince Bradley. Tom Petty is amazing in that. Yeah, and his spaghetti machete. Tom, Tom Petty's spaghetti, Tom machete. Petty sp- spaghetti machete. Spaghetti yeah. machete. Yeah. It's his new business. Film. I had a thing back when I, in the 90s where I wanted to have celebrities market things, but just not just, hey, I market this spaghetti machete. Put their name in it. Yeah. It was like Lemons and Lemons and like, you know, Tom Petty's spaghetti Gene Chalet, Chalet. Gene Chalet, Chalet. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. But that's just me being a good. <laughs> no, it you? could. It could have. That's people like to. Like, there was George Foreman Grill. There could have been all sorts of other no, things that, that came, what, came down the line. See, he's yeah. he's bought in. He got yeah. you. <laughs> I'm poor and dumb. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kill the poor, eat the rich. Huey Lewis playing in the background the whole time. I'm... Oh, <laughs> Huey. Uh. You're just too darn loud. Yeah. <laughs> took me forever to realize that was Huey Lewis in the ba- uh, Back to the Future. Like he's one of the talent people. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, that's Huey Lewis. Yeah, that's great. God, I don't think I noticed in my in my childhood, but you know. Yeah. No. 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 That's how versatile of an actor he is. <laughs> I think that he you puts on a yeah. pair of glasses, gets a megaphone. He's a totally different person. <laughs> uh, ooh, there's storms here that's apparently crazy. i hope that's what that was yeah that was weird <laughs> Too big. Find that
somebody's not happy about all our Patrick Bateman jokes <laughs> and our Huey <laughs> Lewis jokes. Was it the cat or a neighbor? No, no, it, no, no, I think it was it God. It started thunder and lightning here. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh. Or something just blew up, but it's hard to say. It's it's, yeah, they don't want us to talk about American Psycho. And from now on, stop playing with yourself. It is God. Well, well, you guys find out if you angered a demigod or a god. We'll take a break right here, play some uh, promos for some kick-ass shows that I enjoy, maybe a song or two, and then we'll be right back into talking about American Psycho and the yuppie explosion and the polarization of everything in America. <laughs> Hollywood released the first sequel in 1916. I'm sure you can all say it along with me. Los Locos kick your butt. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. Which is poetry. Yeah, it right is. There. But not uh, enough gangs have theme songs. And they've been churning them out ever since. Uh, the catcher, played by Tom Bergeron, whose name is... Tom what? Berenger. Tom Berenger. Did I say Tom, Tom Berenger? You said Tom, Tom Bergeron. Bergeron from Dancing with the Stars <laughs> is in this movie. Hi, I I'm the that. catcher. <laughs> How do you sort out the good... Fred is the real hero of this movie. Oh. He's employing the homeless. He's he really back is. On their feet. Yeah. And he promised them uh, McDonald's. From the bad. Usually he's crying a lot more when he's making this much <laughs> sexual small talk with a woman. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to him for keeping it together. From the ugly. True fact, at this point in the movie, I wrote pointless, pointless, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I had written... Birds, birds, I I, birds. I think I threw my notebook like what three times? Yeah, like at the end I was having you put it back into your hand. But I wrote birds, birds, birds. <laughs> Join Brad and Jeremy. So, so Snoo Sue sneaks out. Yep, Snoo sneaks. I couldn't say Snoo sneaks. Snoo sneaks out. Snoo sneaks out. Snoo sneaks out to go find the military. <laughs> so. Yeah, so Sue sneaks out, Sue sneaks out. <laughs> to go talk to the Silver Surfer because she wants to figure out <laughs> to the Silver Surfer. Can the Silver Surfer? <laughs> I think we completely lost it. Uh, <laughs> oh, eight episodes in, I think we were just I think we're crazy. We're done. Good night, uh, folks. On the Deuce Podcast. Check us out on Facebook at thedeucepodcast.podbean.com, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Well, I've never touched a bra is. before. Don't, don't <laughs> yell at me. you never touched a bra? <laughs> well, no, I mean, whatever. I've moved. I mean, I don't. No, I don't shop for... Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the sequel is king. This is a distress call from across time and space. I am Babs the automated biological support system for the humanoid known as the Witch. Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock is the weekly chronicle of his fight for survival and entertainment on the junk heap of the future. Episodes are transmitted in 15-minute pulses across the dimensional divide weekly for your listening pleasure. As you will learn, the future is not set in stone, 
and a flux capacitor is a girl's best friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Come join the rest of the Meat Popsicles in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash witch vs the doomsday clock. The replicant known as witch can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr and Instagram by searching for THEWYCH. The Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Now in the words of Lord Humongous. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror. seen the movie network have you watched that yet i haven't i've been watching stuff for the show constantly and i got into the people versus oj simpson oh that's so good though isn't it but it's on my list i wrote it down after (laughs) after i was uh, like the guy plays uh what's what's his face sterling k brown who's he played it's marcia clark and who's the other guy oh yeah christopher Uh, darden yeah oh like he's on screen, I'm just like, shut up! I want to, I want to watch him because he, like, he won an Emmy for that, and I was like, you deserve every award that you get. That guy's amazing. But he was saying he, he's, he just started O.J. Simpson. So good. So good. So good. Yeah, Stick with actually... that, Ryan Murphy. Stop your American Horror Story. Yeah, crap. it's done now. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't impressed. I don't know if you watch American Horror Story at all. I am but I about first... two seasons am... behind. Okay, then you're in the shit seasons. Okay. Yeah, I'm in hotel. Um, oh, get the, the fuck out of hotel. <laughs> Check uh, out. I like yeah, the first good. one. I think yeah, it's still true. my favorite season. Uh, I like two. Two's my favorite. Actually, was that Coven or oh. Asylum? Uh, Asylum. The Asylum was great. 
Asylum's great. Mm-hmm. And Murder House. And then Coven's okay. Never thought I'd like Coven until I saw some of the other ones. <laughs> until I saw Freak Show and Hotel. But, I, yeah. I actually think Roanoke, which was this last season, uh, I think got a bad rap. I just did not like this first episode of this new one that was trying to be all like, look at us. This person likes Trump and this person likes doesn't like Trump. And it's all about the aftermath of the election. And I'm just like, oh, so it's a lot more politics than is even usually in American Horror Story, because I think there's been political stuff in every season. No, there oh, yeah. is. There is. And don't get me wrong. I'll probably stick with it and hopefully be better. But I just like my politics to not just be hit over the head too much. Yeah, this is mm. this is mm. much. This is com- like really overt. Like it's I like part of the narrative I like allegory a little bit better than just, you know, coming out and saying it. That's why I like the Handmaid's Tale over this. <laughs> oh, Handmaid's oh, Tale is so good. Oh, my God. Oh. She is a man that. She deserves every award she should get. Yeah. I but. haven't. Uh, what's that? She's got a. Um, there's another Margaret Atwood show that's going to be coming out soon that's similar. I think it's called Alias Grace. Yeah. Okay. Or something like Yeah. Yeah. Alias Grace. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's another one that I'm trying to find the right time. I think with Handmaid's Tale, one of my ideas of how to do it was to just get three or four women do the talk <laughs> and it'd just be women, <laughs> women talking about Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I would. And then uh, then we can have one person who just comes in and mansplains every once in a while. See, what you didn't get about that scene was... Yeah, no. Uh, I, I heard that- a good uh, analogy for, for mansplaining the other day, and it was probably taken from Facebook, but somebody said it, and I don't remember if they said that they saw it on Facebook, but that's where a lot of people get their ideas. Uh, something like uh, mansplaining is like when you get into your car... And then your GPS keeps interrupting you to tell you how to get out of the neighborhood you've lived in for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it perfect. is. Yeah. That is, that is perfect. It doesn't matter if that came from Facebook. That's good. That's funny. That's good. It's funny that you say that because it's like, um, it, like the misogynistic aspect of this film, like, can it be misogynistic if a woman directed it? Can it be misogynistic if a bisexual wrote it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Can it be, or can it be homophobic if a bisexual wrote it? Can it, can it be all these things, or is it just eating itself? You know, the tail of itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I, it's hard for me. I, I don't know how much right I have to say that as like a straight white guy. Uh, go ahead. Everyone else uh, <laughs> I was thinking it's sort of like uh, Milo Propagandopoulos or whatever his last fucking name is said something like, how can I be racist if I like to fuck black guys? And that's like, you know, uh, somebody that beats his wife saying, how can I be anti-women if I fuck chicks? And so yeah, I think right. it's more about like what you say and how you put it out there. Right. Yeah. So, and then there, then you get into the semantics of things like you know, between racism and bigotry or anything like that. You know, racism usually connotates a system of power. Yeah. Correct. And, uh, and stuff like that. So it's it's tough. I think that um, Mary Harmon definitely took some of the edge off 
some of the misogyny I was feeling from the book. Me too. You know, I think she definitely, and, and that's how it's, it's not as polarized. Like we've been talking about how a lot of things are, it's this or this, it's peanut butter or chocolate. This is, this can be a little bit of Reese cup. You know, this is, uh, I agree. That's a good, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You know, but I, if the movie or the book itself isn't misogynist, there's definitely a lot of misogynist in it. And right. I don't necessarily think that any, especially in the movie, she's definitely not saying this is a good way to be. There aren't right. really any good. I mean, I would say what the best people in the movie are Chloe Sevigny. Yeah. What's her name? The, Jean. The... Jean. And hi, I'm Donald Kimball. Yeah. Two people that probably have 15 minutes of screen time and the rest <laughs> is the whole atavistic Wall Street eating each other thing. Yeah, yeah. but it, to me, it's like all in the family, all in the family. It's about a, a lovable bigot. Like we we're not like meant to go. This person is terrible. We're meant to learn from him yeah. and in a way that's what this movie does for me. It doesn't necessarily glorify um, what it's like to be this yuppie conformist. It, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, you guys talked it, about uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street kind of yeah. glamorizes it, I would say. Oh, oh yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But, I, you know, uh, yeah, I think Wolf of Wall Street definitely does, especially in the end. You know, it's like, hey, he. Yeah, he might have gotten some comeuppance, but hey, he's back on his feet, you know. <laughs> right books. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really dissuade people like I think it should, whereas this is more of the cautionary tale. But to the point of like the misogyny uh, and everything, I think that just because it was a woman director and just because – um, you know, we have a bisexual author. I don't think that necessarily, uh, you know, alleviates them from being able to create homophobia or misogyny or anything like that. I think it's just like it's like when we talk about as, you know, all white males here on this <laughs> on this podcast. Um, you know, I think it it's like where we talk about racism and needing to get past the idea that racism is like this overt act of us, you know, trying to, you know, uh, like actively oppress somebody. We're participating in a system of this. And right. So, yes, you know, let's just go back to um, Mary Heron. You know, she is using misogyny for a purpose. Right. And she's using it in a way she's just like how we can also use our white privilege to help a situation uh, as, you know, as terrible as it sounds, we can use it to help things. Right. Help me get first class instead of coach. Oh, that's not what you mean. No, Sorry. No, no. Um, but, you know, it's we can we can use that in this powerful way in the same way she's using misogyny <laughs> no, I get to call attention <laughs> to the, you know, to how awful it is. Yeah. As opposed to, like, Deuce Bigelow, European gigolo, that we reviewed on our show, that was just like, oh my god, this was, it was bad. And it was lost in the idea of, like, ha bro, 
funny. It's also a movie, or, or, or it's a book that's set in the 80s that was produced in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s. Yeah. In a way, the end of, I don't know about the, because I haven't got to the end of the book yet, but the end of the movie to me is almost like the death of innocence or the death of this, the 80s kind of movement that yeah. you have, almost in a way where he says, whatever. And to me, when he said whatever, I turned to him and go, that's more of a 90s term to me. What do you think? Whatever. Like when, with the, the grunge culture of like, well, whatever. And when he says that, I'm like, he doesn't care anymore. Do you know what yeah. I mean? In a way, he doesn't because he, he kind of accepts that no one's going to believe him. Uh, and that's the real horror to me is that he's all alone in his own hell, yeah. which is what I talked about before. Yeah. It just keeps going back to that for me. I don't know. You've seen this movie more than us uh, over the time. What are the things, Darren, that you've seen differently than before? Well, you know, uh, especially when I first started watching this there was very little critical eye it was just the story of a serial killer for me because i think i first saw this when it first came out so i was maybe 19 but yeah as as the years have gone on i've definitely like you said noticed at least what i imagined the the banality within the ruthless uh not saying that all finance can be ruthless, but at least what's being re- this office building, all everybody cares about is the status. And it's just all variations of the same thing. They're all extensions of their business cards. And that he is either calling out or feeling like calling out since we don't know how much of what he actually says out loud is real, mm-hmm. you know, and how much, because especially the end, we haven't got, to this part in particular, but we did talk about the big climactic meltdown where the the ATM machine tells him to feed him a cat. And then he goes and shoots all the cops with a never-ending pistol and explodes their cars. And then he looks at the gun like, this can't really be real. And then he goes and he calls his lawyer. It just sort of seems like a little bit of more of a commentary of the privilege class. We're talking about O.J. Simpson a little bit. He was in the privileged class, and he definitely got a better treatment by the justice system than uh, a lot of people, especially a lot of even black athletes. I don't know if you are seeing that uh, a player for the Seattle Seahawks was arrested in Las Vegas recently, and um, there was video, uh, basically, of him being roughed up by the police, Mm -hmm. and uh, the policeman's union is I, I haven't seen the newest one but he you know he spoke out about it and yeah they are cracking down on him hard and just trying to pretend like police brutality doesn't exist and that's because nobody knew who he was when he was being arrested and he said you know i'm being treated like a black guy in vegas and uh back to patrick bateman he's protected by his class even if it's not in the murdering you know he can mistreat his girlfriend he fucks around on her she knows that but part of her plan part of what you're supposed to do is okay well we're gonna get married your friends are my friends my friends are your friends this is just how it's got to be and it's the 
you know, I think Ellis went to private school and I think he was relatively well off coming up and that seems to reflect a lot in all his work. Yeah. And he's probably a little bit of the outsider, you know, I, he seemed to be a lot more comfortable with his sexuality than a lot of rich kids are in boarding school at that age. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a little bit of him is probably Patrick Bateman that uh, if he, (laughs) I'm not saying he's killed people, but I definitely imagine him sitting in the corner drawing in his notebook. Like I hate all these people, but I want to be like them. Right. That that's, I think that's the thing I got last night. I think every time I watch it, there's a little, another different weird thought that sort of sticks with me. And the last one was the, I hate all these people, but I want to be like them. Oh, I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. Talk like you. You see it's true. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of duality in Alice anyway, and a lot of his writing and a lot of like his themes. And a lot of him himself too, and not like to to downgrade. When I say this, I'm not downgrading a lesbian, gay people as opposed to bisexual people. But he has publicly come out as bisexual, so he does have this duality of himself that he is attracted to multiple genders, not just one, which can be confusing in itself for people. Um, and so perhaps there's some mental issues that go along with him as well that he takes not not, not through the bisexuality well, no 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 but, but like through the part of like just his psyche himself that maybe he takes medicine for or whatnot yeah. that might propel him to think of things outside the realm of what he, he was talking about well you know the the cry or not <laughs> i don't want to be all like the, the cry throughout it of i just want to fit in and if we relate it to, to some, that sounded else. terrible. I don't like what I said, but it's, okay. it's recorded. <laughs> the, uh, but if you relate it to Brett Easton Ellis, you think about like, um, you know, they talk about, you know, bisexual invisibility and, and stuff like that, um, which is not a superpower. It is, um, you know, the fact that people, I think that, you know, in, in the straight community, you go, oh, well, you know, well, you're gay. In the gay community, we go, well, you're not gay. But you're not gay. Yeah. You're, you're bi, oh, whatever, you're gay. Yeah, and they, they basically are dismissive, whatever. Right. So, you know, there are, even though it's part of our acronym, you know, that we all band together with, mm-hmm. uh, I think we're getting more and more where people are speaking out about the fact that they're very easily dismissed they're very, you know, whatever. So I can see where he would not only feel like the outsider, you know, in this, this, you know, boarding school or, or, you know, business world or wherever, but also if he were to go to the gay community, he's an outsider, he, he would be an outsider there as well. Yeah. That's what, I guess that's what I was trying to say. It just was coming out all garbage. <laughs> We got more time if you want to expound, sir. You, so you could just say those things for so me. So it's like a, it's like a mans, I'm just mansplaining Bradley. <laughs> <over here. laughs> uh, but even that, but we even, we even have that through our culture, through which is uh, the bear culture in a way, where 
as a bear, you you are attracted to bigger or hairier guys, and and that's not the culture that you grow up with in the homosexuality uh, environment. That you do have to be attracted to these chiseled, you know, six pack ab guys, well, and then you almost have to come out twice. So you yeah. come out once. I'm gay. Oh, and I have to come out again. I'm also attracted to big hairy guys. Well, it was, it was almost worse. Like so, when I when I finally came out, uh, I remember thinking to myself, you know, great. Now nobody's gonna accept me here either because I don't meet what you're supposed to be. Like, you know, you're supposed to be have a certain look and a certain right. No one's gonna love and, me yeah, because I don't like fit the norm. I'm not that so. Yeah. No, that's, you know, but, but we do that as a society. We do that to each other. You know, we, we divide it all the time. You know, we, you know, a, a huge example of that is right now in, in the political landscape, you look at like, you know, liberals and conservatives and people really, for the most part, fall somewhere, I think, more towards you know in the spectrum between those two oh, like, I don't think that at all I think it's gotten worse well I think the perception has gotten worse I think that you know the messages conform to this or conform to that but uh, you know conform this one way conform the other and that's what we hear echoed a lot through like Facebook and other media that we didn't necessarily have access to in the past but I think that for the most part if you talk to your average person they may have, you know, like we, they may have liberal ideas, but they may also have some things that border towards, you know, more centrist or the other side, vice versa. I think media and everything has helped us to be more polarized than ever before. I just want someone to, to have a, 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 a Bateman Twitter account. That'd be awesome. Like a regular like, or are you talking about the Bateman Yelp? Oh, yeah, like the Bateman Yelp or the Bateman. Yeah, imagine him though. Imagine it if Ellis wrote this now. Was doing the eighties. How accessible information is. How accessible everything is. And and would it be different? And what would be the same? Do you know what I mean? I want to have a podcast against a yuppie Patrick Bateman called Debate Men. <laughs> 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 and. You just got to argue with him and he just tells you what he's wearing constantly. <laughs> he just tells you what he's listening to. Yeah. I live in the American well, Gardens building, West 81st Street. That's not what I said. <laughs> Exfoliating facial, facial right. mask. Only use aftershave with no alcohol. Alcohol dries out the skin. <laughs> Don't That's stare at it. Eat it. Don't do yeah. <laughs> Put it in the container. Okay. And put it in the cart. Yeah, that's what it is. In the carton. About ninety percent of this film is pretty much the book. I mean, she takes the script and it it's pretty much the book. Yeah, um, they just left out some of the kills for the most part. They left out some part. of the kills, yeah. And and some things are switched, like uh, some things happen later, but it's really not that important that they happen later in the movie as opposed to the book. But um, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. Oh, but um, no, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> good, good talk. Good, good one. There you go. 
I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, but like, there's some good quotable lines. That's all I was going to say. Like, that's all. Have to return all to videotapes. Contra, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know what I'm saying. It's verbal garbage. But, <laughs> sorry, it's just like, I think about like the, the videotape. Like, I don't know. Videotape culture just made me laugh. When he would say, oh, I gotta he, return like I got yeah, I gotta return but, the tapes. But it was like, think about like back then, it was an ordeal we you take for granted now, where we were, you know, I can turn on TV and be like, "What's that, Amazon Prime? I will buy this." Thank <laughs> you. He you know, only watched just, horror and porn. Those were the only movies he watched. Yeah, if you remember yeah. correctly. Also pointed uh, this out to Jeremy. There is only one black person in this movie, and it's just it's the bum that he kills. Oh yeah. Or, um, you said there were some Asian people. Yeah, there, was, there, there, there saw, some. But... We were trying to dissect, like, because I mean, mostly white people in the movie, obviously. Right. But I think the dance Asian clubs people. was the most eclectic mix of people. Yeah, and even that, like, when they went to the bathroom to do the drugs, you saw the shot, and it's a great shot that she does, where it just shows all the stalls and everyone's doing drugs in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But, Everyone's doing the same thing, and the ridiculous uh, ridiculousness of the. Could you keep it down? I'm trying to do drugs over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, another thing I noticed this time listening through was all the f a g g o t that you see people using as an insult, like from the eighties oh. movies. Oh yeah, oh, we just saw we just oh, say God. bundle of sticks. Yeah. Oh, God. oh there we go. Uh, the as we watch. It's it's weird. Like we go back and we see these movies that are from eighties and early nineties, eighties and early nineties and stuff, where they just drop it like it's nothing. And even like there's movies where like I love this movie, and somebody says something, you're like, oh god, like yeah, it's like a speed bump. You just go, what? Wait, what did they say? Not that we're like ultra sensitive, but it's just that it's jarring. jarring yeah Yeah, to hear it now but But, back then we're like i'm a dopey kid (laughs) whatever (laughs) even even then like it's to me it's even more jarring because like when i hear that i go oh god well it was the times they're saying it in this movie as a as a culture aspect of it right you know yeah of that piece yeah uh, of the time and not necessarily because that's what they want to say it's, it's jarring to hear films where they use it now, yeah, in like much the same way, yeah, in the same pejorative manner, but like not as a reference back to a different time, not back to whatever. It's just because presumably the writer never grew up, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you. So you you tell me all Rob Schneider movies? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah, <laughs> Rob Schneider. I. I don't know if you listen to that episode. We had a hard time. Like, they say it's one thing where I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe I, – I couldn't believe it. Like, it, it hurt my soul a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like I could f- hear that in your voice. Yeah. That yeah. was a hard one to get through. Like, if you listen to that back, I'm not really saying a lot in that. I just let you talk because I just wanted yeah. to get through that episode. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just hard to do that one. That was the one. And you were like, oh, the 22nd episode. Let's do Deuce Bigelow. I think you named it the Double Deuce. And I was like, we could do Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo. But I didn't notice that. Like, 
I knew I didn't really care for it at the time, but like it's funny like how much between when I first saw it and here, I'm like, oh my god, why are you saying these things, Rob Schneider? There are some things that we talked about that I actually wrote in my notes oh. is that um, they call they go uh, they make reference to oh no is that the yeah Jittery Joe's I thought was funny or the coffee house was Jittery Joe's and that um, he calls or is that a different movie? <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> I think he says Jerry Joe's. Oh, and that um, no, that's American Horror Story too. What? Anyway, I don't know. Jerry Joe's. Scenes. Yeah, or is that this movie? Jerry Joe's is the next movie. Okay, that's the next movie. Shit, we're I'm already in my notes for the next movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, my god. No. <laughs> We've been talking about, about, this, no one this, one about this one for about an hour and twenty, hour minutes, or 20 so. minutes or so. He does call um. <laughs> William Defoe's character T Bone Pickens. T Bone Pickens. Yeah, and that really cracks me up. <laughs> um, because isn't T Bone Pickens the guy that the wind, the wind, uh, I don't know, the wind energy guy? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that because it makes the, me crack the Texan, up. a rich Texan. Well, because I always think when someone says that, I think of T Bone Bennett, and I'm thinking think of Slim Pickens, which is no, he's a musician and producer of the. Wait albums anyway yeah yeah no i'm already i'm sorry i'm already into my american horror but, story you know, too. psycho too yeah the uh which is a the, horror uh, which is a horror of sorts yeah, yeah. sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> but it's true with the t boone pickens thing it's like you know again he's got that pretense of he's talking with somebody on or you know he has somebody or i guess at that point he didn't really have anybody on the line but you know, he's trying to do a show. You know, you do those calls. You see those calls in movies where they're doing a show for the person on the other end, but they're also trying to be impressive to the person who's walking in. Like, I'm always on. I'm doing important things. Yeah. I mean, you're interrupting me. Yeah. Yeah. I think each time he had a meeting with someone, it was a famous because there was Cliff Huxtable, T. Boone Pickens, um, and there's a lot more references like that in the book. The book, I'm sure there is, yeah. When they yeah. when they got the front, and he's like, is that Ivana Trump? Jeez, Patrick. I mean, Marcus, what are you thinking? Why would Ivana be at Tex Arcana? So, uh, wasn't Rothschild originally handling the Fisher account? How'd you get it? Well, I could tell you that, Halberstram. But then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All the I... Trumps, you can't get, you can't avoid them. But think about that. Like, I always get those Trump boys confused. Like, which one's which? Yeah. They all look the same to me with the grease yeah. back hair. Yeah. Yeah. Beavis yeah. and Butthead. Yeah, yeah, Beavis and Butthead. They are. Oh my God. The only time I can ever get them, like, tell the difference is when they're on Saturday Night Live, when they do the whole sketch. Mm. Like, and and uh, Don Jr. is, like, moving the fidget spinner for, yeah. for the other guy. I'm like, yeah. That's the only time I can do it through parody is the only time i can tell the difference hopefully although i don't believe it'll actually happen they'll look even more alike in matching prison jumpsuits but (laughs) i hope so (laughs) but uh, don jr jr they'll find a way to get uh, uh, face moisturizer and all oh, that. yeah yeah they'll they'll, they'll, they'll be they'll, in, a they'll nice be in a nice prison i was gonna say do they have to wear those jumpsuits and whatever club med minimum security whatever yeah, prison right. they would end up being in yeah. yeah and they'll get they'll get pardoned out 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Or, but, or worst scenario, they'll be confined to the tower. What a wretched, <laughs> wretched family. But uh, I don't. Anybody got any? Uh, we I think we had a pretty good discussion. I like how it flowed because we went back and forth from the book, the movie to real life, and I think we got a lot of stuff talked yeah. about. Um, Just really thirsty for jittery joes. Jittery joes. Do you have any anything that we didn't say that you wanted to say about this first one before we wrap up the um, talk of American uh, Psycho? Uh, that this movie is this was this movie came out in two thousand. It still holds up. Yeah, it I'm does. amazed about how well this movie really does hold up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. not like hack. Not like hack. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, like visually and everything, it it, it is great. Yeah, story wise, you know, is he is he not crazy? Is he crazy? It's yeah, it, it's definitely a movie that has rewatch quality because I still don't really know exactly what happens at the end and i've seen right. it so I many damn times that, that third act is really crazy and the aspect of the the atm where it's like okay the atm says feed the cat so it's got to be that he's just making this all up but for me i think he's making parts of it up in his head he's not making everything up in his head yeah i just think parts of it are are that he's making it up and it's for us to determine what is real and what is not. And again, it's really not that important. What's important is he is crazy and no one will listen to him. Agreed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well said. Well, before I do my normal uh, outro for this, would you guys like to plug uh, any upcoming episodes of your show or your show in particular? Uh, um, yeah. we're, doing, we're in the uh, middle of our Robin Dunn series. Yeah, we are. And Robin uh, Dunn is a Canadian actor who is. We have dubbed the sequel king. He is in four sequels. Wow. Well, it was we we saw him on something else, and then uh, I was like, oh, that, "That's Robin Dunn. He's been in a ton of sequels." He was uh, George's girlfriend in Dead Like Me. Yep. He uh, he was in Dawson's Creek. I yeah, he's Joey's said. boyfriend for a couple episodes. Yeah. So he shows up on things. But I knew him from uh, the Skulls 2 and from uh, Cruel Intentions 2 and yeah. a couple things like that. We were watching the Canadian version of the match game one day, and Jeremy was like, that's Robin Dunn. Yeah. That's the guy. He's all the sequels. And I was like, what? So, yeah, we made sure we had a whole tribute section to him. Yeah. So we started with um, Cruel Intentions 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just recently uh, released Au Pair 2. Yeah. Which surprisingly we liked. Yeah, it was not it, for a family movie it was it was I mean, you know, it's got it's a family yeah. movie. And so, and so um but it was it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It could have, you know, they could have gone cheesy really really yeah. fast, but But where can they find us, Jeremy? Uh so you uh your listeners they can find us at uh uh Podbean, or my gosh, the deuce podcast.podbean.com or like Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, that kind of stuff, or um, uh, the deuce uh, on Facebook. So you'll you'll notice by the flaming number two. Um, Is that because we're gay? Yes, it's okay. double entendre. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, so many levels. <laughs> it just keeps so meta. 
Uh, but no, you can find it there too. So we we put regular things out there. Plus, you can see other podcasts from uh, some of our uh, other podcasts uh, that we're friends with. They'll they'll post things there as well. So uh, you you can find all kinds of stuff. Yes, this is our first crossover event, so we're excited. We are going to be on another podcast here in about a week called Tom and Jim's Top Five, where they do pop culture stuff. So um, they're going to do their top five movie sequels, and then we're yep. going to go on there and talk about ours. Hell Dude. yeah. Yeah. They do different things like top five. I think their top five, they they did a great episode called the top five Saved by the Bell episodes, which I would suggest people listen to that one. I feel um, like I saw, did they post that in your group? Oh, I, I usually try to post for them. and, and Okay. Kind of promote them. Yeah, their stuff is they 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 have a fun podcast yeah. too. I, I saw that I, somewhere. But yeah, um, you know we're excited, especially for for this. So we're doing this over here, and then you're coming and doing the uh, American Psycho two with yeah. us. So it's almost like a cliffhanger. Can we like play some music right here? I think I and, can. I think I can handle that. Dramatic <laughs> cliffhanger. And they do like. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Because nobody can see the text. So yeah. you're gonna have to So you're gonna have to like <laughs> like try to find something because usually you read that. But wait, the worst is yet to come. Talking about American Psycho 2, all American girl electric boogaloo or whatever the fuck <laughs> they, they threw on there. Uh, so thanks, thanks everybody. Thanks guys. Um Make sure you check out. Thank the you deuce. so much. Uh, yeah, you want to fit in? Listen to the deuce. <laughs> um, but yeah, until until next time, remember to duck and cover. Put the duct tape on your windows. Uh, never let them get you to the second location. We'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Okay.
like Huey Lewis on the news? Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Hey, Albert. Yes, Alan? Why are the copies of the style section all over the place? Do you, do you have a dog? A little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this. Four, their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! 